0: It's Jack Tutor here of Attention Magazine. Welcome to Crucial Listening, a podcast where I speak with musicians and sound artists about three albums that are important to them. My guest this time is Matt Cargill of Sly and the Family Drone, a band I first encountered in 2012 at Supernormal Festival in Oxfordshire. They played a set where they were in the center of the audience. The audience kind of formed a large ring in this field. And then they just started handing out drums to the crowd. They made this almighty scree of noise. They had everyone playing percussion and getting involved. And since then I've come to know them as a band that just has such an incredible dynamic and responsive relationship to the spaces in which they play and perform. It's like they're attuning themselves to the air and to the walls and to the people present. Each time is utterly different when I see them generally there's a lot of clambering on amplifiers and again a lot of percussion being handed out into the crowd people getting involved sort of fluid relationship with the audience and the and the band like everyone just becomes occupants of that noise and occupants of that space and on record as well i think what's astounding is obviously you can't have the participatory element of the live shows but the sense of space again is absolutely immaculate So the new album by Sly and the Family Drone, Gentle Persuaders, sounds like you're in the room with them, like the drums are absolutely huge. You've got this wonderful saxophone, which is being modulated through noise. You've got so much open space into which everything reverberates and everything kind of rebounds. It's a really incredible experience, and I think they have the potential to be an incredibly loud and utterly cathartic band, but it's the means by which they restrain that and hold it back and then finally let forth at the moment that feels precisely right, which always makes them such an incredible listen. So you can check out Gentle Persuaders and many more releases by Sly and the Family Drone over at familydrone.bandcamp.com. That's about it. I had a great time with Matt's picks and a lovely time with Matt generally talking to him. We go back a few years now and grew up in the same vicinity of the UK. So there's references to janky old noise gigs in small cramped spaces in Hampshire and Bournemouth. So enjoy that. All right. Without any further delay, Matt Cargill on Crucial Listening. get the the idea of how it works so i I just start by asking a few questions about whatever's going on currently so Mm we'll talk about the new album
1: yeah um it it is it is out now um i've just seen some people posting um things to say they actually received it which is always nice (laughs) um yeah first time working with these people but they you know they were really keen and did a lot of good stuff uh previously and normally they put out like Gabba Records or whatever, pretty, pretty odd sort of electronic electronic dance music. Uh, Yeah, love, love. And, you know, a lot of producers and, and, yeah, sort of solo electronic people. And then they approached us, do you want to do something? And it sort of, yeah, it's come come together really well. But, yeah, there was a bit of a delay with the pre-orders and stuff. But it seems like uh, it's in a couple of shops and people are, you know, it's nice to see it getting out there because people, uh, yeah, putting up photos of the vinyl and you can see the artwork and, and you know, sort of gauge what people are, are making of it. So, yeah, it's, it's cool that it that it's out and, yeah, people are reacting to it. And, and it's sort of when the the big day comes and the release date and it I, like, went on Apple Music or whatever and there it was. I was like, yeah, great. And then there's now what happens? It's like nothing. <laughs> 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 oh, good. Uh, you know, and and we've been sat on that record for for ages. So it's like, it's done now. So yes. we'll see. Yeah, but yeah. Ho- ho- hopefully, people will buy the vinyl off us at at gigs as well. So we say you've been sat on it for a while. So when was it recorded? Um, it was recorded end of t- two thousand seventeen, I think. Uh huh. And we had a. Uh, We recorded it at New River um, ourselves. Well, I recorded it um, and mixed it. uh, Just playing in the main live room uh, all together. You know, just did a couple of takes and then sort of smashed it into shape. And then we, yeah, we kind of sat on it for a while. You know, had hawked it around a little bit. And then, yeah, had a year off because of, uh, you know, all the stuff that happened. Um, So... Yeah, it, it took a while for it to come together, really, but it, it sort of was done and forgotten about. And then I, I listened back to it the other day. I was like, oh, yeah, that's on that record because <laughs> uh, 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 we've done another one since. So that <laughs> we've, you know so that we've got another one mixed and mastered and ready to go and that's yeah so there's always this sort of you know people have release schedules and you know or haven't got the money or whatever so you're sort of at the mercy of other people as well but I also don't want to bombard people with <laughs> yeah you sort of have to have to wait and you know play that sort of game a little bit um, yeah. but yeah no, it's it's fine but yeah it, uh, it was recorded a little while back now and uh, mostly forgotten about. <laughs> I
0: mean, how, how does that distance kind of affect how you, sort of this music, how, how it sits with you and, and how you're thinking about it? Because I, I know with, uh, you know, anything that that I've made and left for a year, you yeah. know, suddenly you get this, like, space of retrospect to really
1: ingest the whole thing. So, yeah. has that I, changed much? Yeah, I'd, I would had forgotten a lot of the content, really. Uh, but actually, going back to it, I i i enjoy what we've done yeah definitely i think i think it sounds cool and and i'm really pleased with it and then you know there have been a couple of bits played on sort of either people's radio shows or podcasts or whatever and then when you hear it sort of out of context you know alongside other stuff like hang on is this us it sounds kind of familiar or like oh wow what's it you know sounds cool and then like oh wait it actually is us um uh, and it's kind of a pleasant surprise Uh, so you know some people sort of don't want to listen to their own music like or they sort of want to kind of put that distance between themselves but i i do quite enjoy listening to my own music
0: yeah well i, <laughs> or, I, I do as well yeah yeah I, mean, I kind of was that's why i left last fm i was cooking my own stats a bit
1: well yeah, they, <laughs> yeah bumping the plays up yeah. Uh, yeah 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 i um yeah it's funny like i, I don't i don't really get why people don't they're like oh i never you know watch myself or listen to my own whatever and it's like well i I do kind of understand that people you know uh want to say it's done it's out there that's it yeah uh and and never sort of come back to it but yeah with a bit of kind of distance and then coming back to it you can and if it's yeah you still think it's good then and it's all right i think
0: yeah totally yeah I, Yeah. I, i guess maybe it's uh with some people there's perhaps a sort of self- analysis that never switches off where it's like um oh, Christ, now I want to redo those takes. So yeah. it's more agony than
1: it's worth. Or I, something. Th- I just find that sort of uh, way of working just absolutely impossible because you'd never get anything done. Right, it, yeah. Uh, you know, when you sort of, and you probably have had this with people sort of talking about it on, on the show, that, you know, if if you sort of just as are that hypocritical... And so restless with stuff and you can't let it go. You will just never be satisfied or complete. Yeah. You know, I, I think I, d- I do like that sort of idea of, you know, a, a doc, a document of a time and a place and it's done. And then, you know, get it, get it over and done with and get the next thing out. Like, why, what, what are you striving for? <laughs> right. Because <Yeah. laughs> if, if you're that sort of, you know, intensely obsessed with, with it, you're never, you're never going to be. Satisfied or, or be able to move forward, I don't think. You know, it's yeah. like, what are you striving for? Like, artistic perfection is just an impossible task. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, speaking of
0: it being a document of a time and place, uh, obviously it's a, a little time ago now, but yeah. I mean, I, I should say, for one, absolutely loving the record to bits. Uh, and Thank you very much. There always seems to me, I mean, certainly my experience of you. I always get such a strong sense of the room whenever I'm listening to a record you've done. I mean, the drums sound utterly immaculate on the release. There's (laughs) so so much kind of wide-open space. And uh, I feel like your records kind of almost map out the spaces that they're in. It's almost, you know, like a sonographic projection of of the the space in which they're recorded. But um, how much can you remember of putting the record together, the, those sessions, and what it felt like in the midst of, of doing it.
1: Um. Yeah, it felt, it felt good. It was at a time, I think, when we had been playing quite a lot and sort of coming off the back of some festivals and things, and it, it felt good that we wanted to record there and then. But, yeah, it's not... So the previous uh, release we put out was a... Was actually a, a live show, like a li- live at Cafe Otto, um, mm. from a few years back, um, and that felt like a really good one, and and worked nicely as a release. That was all cool, but this one, it, uh, whilst it was all playing live together in the same room, it is a studio recording. Um, you know, and I think there is a distinction between the two. It's not just like there's a gig. Chucks and mics around. That's a record. Right. You know, there's, there's a bit more sort of consideration to it, and and that, um, yeah. So I, I had sort of thought about my mic selection and placement, and to try and and get a good re- uh, sound in the room. But it is important in terms of a performance for us. I think to, you know, all be playing live. I think it would be quite impossible to do uh, the sort of thing. You know, like. The guitarist goes in and lays down some licks, and then the bass player does his parts, and or what you know. It does. We're not a band that sort of is able to do that. So I think the performance and actually playing together and improvising together is uh, is an important sort of aspect of it, and 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 that helps uh, get good results for the the recorded piece.
0: Yeah, I think I don't know if this is true, but from listening, it sounds like that perhaps there's some kind of like. Visual cueing going on because there's such a the synchronization in terms of when you're all, you know. Yeah. Exploding. I mean, how how is it you're coordinating the? <laughs> I uh, mean, start, there are stop?
1: there are sort of, you know, it's it's semi improvised. Um, You know, so there are elements that can change or move or or you know you you play a part longer or or whatever feels good in that moment. But some bits had either come out of sort of live shows that, you know, it's quite organic and yeah, those bits will develop over time or through playing together more or whatever felt good that night and then we might try it again. Uh, and then it becomes a sort of a piece, you know, or a track in its own, in its own right. And then we maybe would do a couple of takes of uh, a similar thing and then go oh yeah that's that's the take and that's that becomes the track um so there are yeah that we we do have sort of you know even if it's just a little nod or uh we we know where where it's going i think you know we've been playing long enough together uh to know who's doing what and and where i think we we want to go uh so that all works but yeah i will say this is our first one with um uh, James also playing baritone sax for uh which is I mean he's absolutely incredible but uh yeah so this is the first proper uh document with him playing on it as a four piece uh and we we started playing with him like new year's eve 2016 I think and you know he's well he's an incredible musician and played with but like, he'll he'll like go off and play with you know pretty straight up sort of jazz stuff or go on tour with you know as a session musician or he's on like he was in jamie cullum's sort of orchestra (laughs) you know like like it was some real you know pretty amazing wildly varied discography yeah you should look him up he's i don't know if you've seen him play before but he plays in snack family as well Dave Story Trio, like loads of on jazz ensembles. Oh, great! But yeah, a lot of a lot of sort of great in, improvising with us. But yeah, he's he's incredible, and that's yeah. I do feel like that the four the four of us now is the the core sort of lineup. Yeah, I mean, what is it? I
0: don't know if this is easy to articulate, but what is it about changes playing in particular that, in the context
1: of Sly, that really he's connects just connects with you? An, Absolute monster, <laughs> <laughs> He's just just incredible, and he, you know, it is. We did an interview uh, recently whereby we we'd all selected some some tracks as well, um, and he his choices, and we actually a, a lot of the others all sort of uh, described it all more in sort of abstract terms, and it was like you know the uh, texture and sort of feeling and atmosphere they're they're more sort of important things than the musicality as such yeah uh, and James was like you know it's it's dense and oppressive much like Sly and I was like well that's his yeah that's his sort of amazing little insight into what he thinks about you know his performance and our music which is <laughs> totally great yeah <laughs> um should say at this point if
0: people want to check out the record for themselves where's the best place for them to do that online
1: Probably off of Bandcamp. Uh, I Kaz, uh, the drummer Kaz put, put up a thing the other day. He was like, Yeah, the record's out, get it on Spotify or Apple. And it's like, Yeah, but you could buy it from us and then we'll actually get some money. Uh, so yeah, it's on all available streaming platforms, but uh, yeah. But uh, if you want to get it off Bandcamp, if it, on download, if that's how you choose to live your life, or <laughs> buy it off of us at a gig, which is better? Nice, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Nice hierarchy of uh, yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's how it should be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you've brought three important records, Matt, to the table. Um, one question that I tend to ask is, how you. Thought about the term important when picking your list. So, I mean, was there a particular way that you interpreted or thought about that term in order to come up with the three records that you brought today?
1: Um, yeah, it was. It was really hard to choose actually because that that term important is it, it can mean so many things. You know, to so many different people, and how how you sort of interpret that. Um, I did try to sort of um, think of it in. In context of Sly and not necessarily myself, um, okay. Even even though they are, they're important in 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 sort of Sly's foundation and sort of where we're at. I think, um, but also they are they are really sort of you know favorite records of mine anyway. Uh, but I I could have just listened. You know, I don't have like a favorite album as such. And when I've listened to your sort of other shows, people have had. You know, I was listening to like Lasse's show, and, and I was like, "Yeah, he's talking about Pink Floyd." I was like, I don't, ha- I don't, I don't have a Pink Floyd. Right. Like, probably Nirvana or Black Sabbath for my Pink Floyd. That's about it. But yeah. I, I don't think necessarily either of those bands influence sort of my musicality or anything. I just think they're totally rad bands. You know, I don't, I don't particularly have a a favorite as such anymore
0: no yeah no some of that i felt kind of waning as i've ingested more and more music uh, just you know things start to
1: the love starts to disperse a bit more across different bands yeah and i don't i don't somebody asked me the other day like why i like black sabbath so much and i don't i'm not into metal Uh, you know or whatever that came after i don't really like guitar music but just black sabbath are just like fucking incredible (laughs) i don't it's there's there's no irony involved at all i just i just think they're absolutely great but um i i don't like much other music from the era i'm not yeah it's just them i but i i don't know what it is that I dig on so much. I'm not sure. (laughs) It's just uh, doing boogies, that's it. (laughs) Yes. There you go.
0: Well, let's dive into the three picks that you brought today. If you'd like to pick whichever one you want to go with first, uh, give me the name of it and a little bit about why it's important to you as well.
1: Okay. um, Well, let's let's go with um, this heat uh, first because when Sly was becoming... Or sort of getting ourselves together and sort of finding our way um we were playing as a two-piece just me and a different drummer toby jackson who uh, is from fleet if anyone ah. is familiar of the hampshire surrey border towns <laughs> it raises a very particular kind of person and he <laughs> is one of them as am i yes. um but yeah so we we got to play at the i think i'd just moved to london first time round, and we were playing at the Bird's Nest in Deptford and we played with um, Albert Newton which was Charles Haywood, Harry Beckett, John Edwards and Pat Thomas and it was totally blinding like improvised amazing music and I knew Charles's music through listening to This Heat and sort of at the time when I was coming up to London and sort of meeting new bands and making friends through, through that, I'd sort of got turned onto This Heat and was really hyped to be playing with Charles and I'd never met him and I'd never seen him perform live. Uh, so I bought up my copy of Deceit uh, and I got him to sign it, which I still have. Wow. Um, and I think that record just, it's, it, it was really inspiring to watch him play and to listen, like obviously he's an absolutely incredible drummer. And you know that 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 record just sort of reminds me of a sort of a new way of listening to to stuff and like performance and composition. I think um, rather than just sort of listening to it's it, it's got so many different elements. These sort of like weird post punk, like incredible rhythms, you know, tape noise, sort of weird electronics which, you know, are all some of my favourite things right. in this really sort of quite bleak, sort of grim-sounding, amazing songs. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, not, not not that that... You know, those songs or, or sort of the outcome is is particularly... Um, uh, the, the sound as such is influential on, on what we do. Well, there's not a direct comparison, but I do find it inspiring... Uh, and to listen back to that record uh, again recently, because I was, oh I, I, yeah, I bet, do my research uh, and go back to it, <laughs> and it's just still, yeah, it just still blows me away. And I, I saw, uh, this is not this heat when they sort of first did their thing. I think was it the Barbican or South South Bank or something? Right. I think maybe Queen Elizabeth Hall even. And it was just absolutely devastating. It was just like. Yeah, hearing a new kind of water, I was just in bits, man. It was amazing. <laughs> like you know, and, and not, not a lot of, not a lot of music has that sort of impression on me. I was like, yeah, wow, this is, this is incredible. Yeah. So yeah, that, that but, it, but yeah, that one is a, it's it's important to me because it reminds me of putting on shows with with friends and and sort of get gathering people together to to make Sly a thing and And that was one of the sort of first gigs that that made me think yeah i wanna i wanna be playing these kind of shows and and with these sort of yeah weird bands
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh it's interesting you picked this one, so i'd my familiarity with this heat was the self titled record um yeah, I think that was it, you know, uh, yeah, I hadn't heard deceit before but this I found really compelling. I mean, from what I I understand, and I haven't had loads of familiarity with with either record, really. But this seems to be a bit more kind of almost song centric than the yeah. subtitle one. I mean, was there something kind of distinctive about Deceit, say, compared to the
1: other material, where this is the one that stands out? Well, sort of going going back to it now, and and what I'd heard sort of since. I I think my f- my favourite is is the Peel Session stuff. Um, right. I don't know if you've heard that, but there's there's a mixture of kind of both of the, those kind of eras, and obviously it's not a, l- a long period of time between the two. But and it's you know a bit sort of scrappier and and yeah. And just just hearing that all together, I was like, wow, this is an incredible collection. And but that that track, Horizontal Hold, off of the previous record, is absolutely mint and i kept listening to it off of the peel session because that particular version and i will say actually that track uh is more inspiring to what sly are sort of doing now sonically you know that and and hearing some of the other ones off of off of the self-titled album it's like oh actually now i i go back to it i do probably find that sonically more kind of appealing but right i think deceit you know, talking of that thing of like a, a document of a time and a place, yeah, you know, I, I, that's that's the one that stands out. But yeah, there are there's amazing songs on on both, and the, yeah, that Peel session sort of captures captures both really well. Nice,
0: and because the thing I find with Deceit, and again talking about the fact of it as a, a document, is you've got this really variable fidelity throughout the whole thing, which um depending on like what the record is or uh what the band is or the situation i have like an oscillating relationship with th- those kind of records where the fidelity is yeah. so variable i mean some albums i find it quite distracting because you're just like okay i just want to slot into this single context and have it carry me through from start to finish but other times it's got its own intrigue to it to have all these different uh, yeah ways that it manifests yeah. i mean where does it sit with
1: you um I hadn't actually ever particularly picked up on that. I th- I think when it's when it becomes more obvious. Uh yeah, for cer- certain albums it's like it sort of just reminds me like if someone's gone, "Oh yeah, bonus content here's a like naff sounding outtake or or you know, <laughs> like a, a practice recording or something and they've just like slammed it on there like a compilation." Yeah. Um w- yeah, which kind of I I I don't really dig on that idea of of compiling a a record uh you know I feel like albums sort of should be an entire an entire thing and not not just a collection of of random sort of elements Yeah, and and in fact, putting on deceit, I put the wrong side on first because I was like, "Then there's no way it's sequenced like that." So either I'd I'd been listening to it wrong forever, uh, and then so I had to look it up and like look at the. uh you Know the track listing properly, so I was like, Is what sleeps the first track? That's weird, yeah. Uh, I always felt like that comes halfway through, no way. <laughs> and it wasn't until, yeah, until I'd uh bothered to look it up properly that that I, I don't know, that was just the, the way I'd always put the record on for some reason. Oh, um, wow, <laughs> which is quite a cool way of you know, when I suppose that doesn't happen to a lot of when you download an album or whatever and, and play it out, you know. Through start to finish, that's just how it plays, yeah. <laughs> so, so what do you do from here? Do you go to I the... <laughs> just I don't know, it's changed everything, yes, yeah. it's, yeah, it's... <laughs> it's thrown throwing it out, yeah. I'm not sure what's going on anymore, yeah. <laughs> and I mean,
0: is there a particular track on Deceit which is a favorite? Oh man,
1: I mean, I do like Paper Hats is beautiful, A New Kind of Water absolutely smashes me to bits <laughs> um, I do really like Makeshift I like all of them, they're great they're just, you know, they're quite I love, like, Charles's voice when he, he does this incredible scream hmm. I think on Makeshift Swahili um, and I was like, wow this is, like, super raw um, and you hear his voice breaking up and stuff I'm like, yeah, this is this incredible and then there's, you know, quite and the the contrasting voices between the two of them, I th- yeah, I, I just amazing. But yeah, um it's all great. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
0: Bye. great well let's go to your second record now then Matt if you could give me the name of it and a bit about why
1: it's important as well um yeah again with with these ones I was sort of trying to go through so many bits and try and pick out one and there are so so many sort of different elements um to the I guess that let's go with Mind Flayer this next one cool Uh, I was just trying to think and I was like yeah, who have I chosen and what am I going to do with that? Okay. So <laughs> so the Mind Flayer, and as a quick aside, this week I got through, like, basically one of my Holy Grail records, which is uh, the Mind Flayer uh, die and Mild Services. Oh, yeah. Which I'd never had. So, obviously, and where I remember when I was seeing them, you've got the pink one and the green one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I never owned the green one, Diet Mild Services, so the pink one was my choice because I own it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I want to choose records that I do actually own uh, <laughs> uh, because otherwise it seems like I've just made it up um, and I, I could just pick anything. Right, so I, yeah. I was like, I thought it was important to have, yeah, to talk about records I do actually own and have listened to. So, let yeah, let's, let's go with Mind Flayer. Um But that in particular... I mean, I I guess I came to them, as I'm sure a lot of people did, through Lightning Bolt. Yeah. Um, And it would be, yeah, remiss not to mention Lightning Bolt. But basically anything Load Records have ever done (laughs) just seems amazing. (laughs) and, and, And again, getting into stuff on Load... You know, really reminds me of a time that was very exciting for uh, my younger self, you know, coming up to London, going to gigs at Bardens or, you know, some weird East London, like, shithole, (laughs) (laughs) to see, you know, these American bands that that I had had never had a chance to see before. Uh, You know, people like um, Upset the Rhythm, Putting Stuff On. Yeah. There's that classic. Uh, lightning bolt show that I think it was at Bardens one of the first times they came and just yeah that I don't know what it was if they they just built a relationship with, with those sort of American bands or whatever and, and they would always play play for Chris and Claire um, and it was just totally mint and just blew my mind and opened me up to so much other stuff um, but here in Mind Flayer in particular it's It's not as immediate as lightning bolt because you've not got the sort of the riffs, I suppose. Right. Uh, You've you've not got the immediacy of like Gibson's, you know, totally rad bass playing. You're like, wow, that's a bass line, you know, (laughs) but somehow it sounds like a motorbike or whatever. (laughs) Um, You know, it's a bit weirder and it's a bit, but it, it like what you were saying about the sort of fidelity of the recording. It 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 doesn't (laughs) doesn't sound amazing. It's all so blown out and like mental sounding, just absolutely wild. But it's it's not you know it's 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 sort of how I feel about guitars as well and why I don't I don't like using well don't want to use them in Sly. I want to sort of be able to make different sound sources out of sort of more abstract things because you can with a synth or a a guitar you can just there's always that note you can go to or you sort of you know a chord shape or whatever and you know you're going to get that sound yeah but with sort of more abstract kind of electronics I think you can you know there's there's a lot more sort of element of unpredictability and like sometimes like I don't even know how I made that sound but it's happened (laughs) and and then to try and, yeah, apply that in a context of a band. So they're still sort of, like, playing, like, Lightning Bolt. you still got Chippendale, like, going absolutely wild on the drums and this incredible sound. But what Matt Brinkman's doing is, you know, these, these absolutely mad kind of electronics. You're not even sure what it is. You're like, oh, yeah, that's an oscillator or something. Yeah. But it's just the way that they're playing together and these absolutely amazingly wild sounds. I was like, wow, this is yeah what even is this uh and this and i listen listened back to some of it again yesterday i was like man yeah this is still absolutely rinsing and really powerful and i was like yeah that's i like that i'm gonna do a thing about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. so just to double check
0: because i think you put an email to me take your skin off is the yes have you picked
1: yes I was, there was like what expedition to the area peaks as well, which is yeah. I think a lot longer. Yeah, or might, probably maybe only came out on CD or something, um, which I remember having on my old iMac in around like 2006 or something. <laughs> Same. And yeah. just absolutely rinsing that quite hard. <laughs> um, yes, but but yes, wh- whenever or however I got hold of um, this. Yeah, um, take your skin off. I think I got it. I think it was released on Bulb, but or maybe I got it through Load or something. Anyway, it arrived once upon a time, and I've still got the record. And I listened to it again the other day. I was like, yes, this is absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. smashing it. In it, yeah, yeah, <laughs> just just wild. I'm re- yeah. I was, um, you know, they've got the sort of the triggers on the drums but just these incredible powerful sounds like wow this is yeah yeah and I just I suppose I just never heard anything like it you know that's that's very exciting yeah Uh,
0: because I think that's the thing you talk about sort of the relinquishment of control that comes with not using something that has distinct notes and a sort of reliable means of reproducing sound those Mm. triggers sound like I think they've always felt like such a huge part of that in that Matt Brinkman can only really control, you know, the texture, what is yeah. felt, not necessarily the pattern in which it is felt. So it's like, uh, it's almost yeah. like he's under his, you know, Brian Chippendale's mercy to a certain extent as to mm. how his sound
1: manifests. I don't know if. Um you know, there were two sort of independent sources, or if Brinkman's processing the triggers on Chippendale stuff, or or like if it's going through each other, or what. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the the so the it's so like yeah, the uh, the source. I I do like the idea that the source isn't identifiable and that's why we do that in sly like the drum source goes through something else or the sax is going through all of ed's stuff yeah or or we're all sort of linked or swapping over in some way and that i like the idea that you can hit a, a, a drum acoustically but then when it goes through all this other stuff and then it comes out of a speaker it's sort of transformed in some way yeah um, and wouldn't necessarily sound like a drum hit no, <laughs> I think is totally great. <laughs> yeah. um, so this is going to sound like
0: a, a, a complete detour, but I promise it will come back. Do I remember, yep. did you work in H and Basingstoke at any point? I did, yeah. Right. Um,
1: it was, um, yeah, not a particularly amazing time. I think it was during one of the administration things and it was it was just totally grim and there wasn't you know I, I didn't enjoy the job very much this the only small bit of enjoyment was uh making friends with the guy that ordered stock in so and he would get vinyl in that I you know he knew how to get it basically <laughs> um, the guy. and it, it, it was sort of that weird time where I remember going in to HMV in Basingstoke before it moved or no when it used to be Virgin or whatever up the hill and yeah. then HMV opened in the new in the festival place and they did have they did stock vinyl when it first opened and they did have a set of techniques in there so you could go and listen to and I remember they'd like wrap the head shell in wire or, or like uh, tape and uh, uh, like cable ties and stuff so people wouldn't nick the head shells like the needles uh, but obviously they always did uh, and, uh, and then just yeah meeting people in there that worked there and just that incredible thing of, of going into a record shop like oh wow there's someone in this town that likes music or you know and I didn't meet you until you were moving away I think that's so, right yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Where have you been like all these years Uh, You know not knowing each other But there was someone around that is You know into Into that similar stuff Well
0: this is why I bring it up So I went in This must have been about 2006 So um, for listeners who don't know I lived in Basingstoke as well and um yeah i reckon this must have been about 2006 2007 and i, I went yep. up to i think it was like the metal bit because that was where i go uh for most of the stuff and there was a cd there that said uh, mind flare and beneath it there was an extra sticker that said lightning bolt side project with
1: loads of exclamation marks wow there you go was that you <laughs> i do I don't think it would have been. No. I think that was before my time. So it was obviously somebody else that knows who they are. Wow. And I, who, who could that have even been? I don't know. Right. That's, yeah, that's a total mystery. I wish I did know who it was. Yeah. Because um, we would have been good friends. <laughs> the, only, um, the only person, and certainly from around that time, that I can think is Dave Morrison, if you know Dave, who is a good friend of mine. He now lives in Oxford. But... We sort of growing up and he, he worked in there and would like be able to source some vinyl he's a couple of years older than me um, and worked in there way before I did but he could source you know I remember he got me like a Stones Throw compilation or something you know <laughs> years and years ago totally great and then we ended up going to I think I went to the first ATP I went to together with him oh nice and there was a crew from Basingstoke that went the first year I went was 2005 uh the is that was that the first and more one I think well the, no the Mars Volta one I think was the first one I went to right oh, I, wow. I can't I can't quite remember the timeline now but just around that time as well you you're sort of talking about 2005 2006 was such a sort of game-changing time like 2002 I went to like reading festival like got my GCSEs <laughs> went to <laughs> My mum drove me straight to Reading Festival Like, great <laughs> massive bag full of all the food and drink for the weekend like you don't know anything about going to reading you've got it all your mum's made you your sandwiches let's go yeah. and then obviously it's just a wreck and i think the, but that that year like that was incredible that year as well and everyone says it's about reading it was like oh it's shit now which it obviously is yeah but like trailer dead played and like the icarus line uh like caracol 80s matchbox oh what i think soul wax as well were pretty amazing and the streets and loads of other stuff that i've forgotten but i just remember that bill being totally amazing but then through going very quick timeline here the sort of jump between 2002 to 2005 and they're sort of getting so massively into music and i think i went to see mccluskey at the garage Uh, so had left you know was still living in Hartley Whitney so tiny little village travelling up to London being like I don't know 15, 16, 17. Yeah. Going to see McCluskey because they were the only band I knew, and the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's opened. What? So out comes Karen O, like pouring Stella on herself, (laughs) like on everyone else. Like, I remember she was wearing these, like, real skinny, like, grey jeans, and then obviously they become, like, totally black and wet with Stella. Wow. And then them just gunning out their set. You know, real short, being totally amazing, and then disappearing. I was like, Well, McCluskey are just going to be nothing now. And I still <laughs> love like that band, but just seeing that first I was like, Wow, okay. And then, so McCluskey played, totally amazing. And then Liars headlined. What? <laughs> so after that, I was like, What even is this Wh- bill? <laughs> and who are this band? And I'd never heard of Liars before. Oh my God. And then after that, they just were like my favorite band forever. Um, and I, it was it was very difficult to not choose drums not dead as uh, as my choice for this as well. Oh wow! Um, but that is just a very small uh, opportunity to talk about that because that's still one of my favorite records. <laughs> and you know, at the time, Liars when they were coming to England in those sort of early days, they were doing they would like a four piece still and doing their sort of weird post punk stuff and doing like Mister you on Fire, Mister and stuff. Uh, and then they obviously, and I followed them all through that, saw them loads when they came to England. And then They Were Wrong came out and it was, you know, all the sort of uh, the sort of folkloric kind of great backstory stuff. And then, <laughs> and amazing songs as well, uh, but a lot more sort of weird sounds on that. And then Drums Not Dead came out and it was just like, wow, this is, this is incredible. Um yeah. But yeah, just through those sort of years and like going to ATP and being turned on to these kind of sort of other American bands that you didn't really know of or hear, hear of, um, I've sort of, I, I wanted to make the point that I didn't want to just choose American noise rock bands as my thing, <laughs> even though I <laughs> evidently am into a lot of that. Yeah. Um, but I was like, well, this heat a very distinct British sounding or English sounding. Totally. To to me, uh, you know, whether it's the voice itself or this sort of weird, sparse, sort of austere like electronics or or what's going on that that was really important to have that. And then you've got your sort of like flat out rinsing hard American noise rock with Mindflayer. And then I sort of wanted to talk about some sort of more kind of European stuff, um, but yeah, it's it's. I wouldn't. I basically had I not had you know like Liars and Lightning Bolt, and started going to ATP or whatever. I'd, you know, be in a very different situation. I imagine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> as As I'm sure you know, that that's the same for so many of us who are you know into like weird noisy music. That that was just like a big a big thing and yeah. I, I, I sort of feel like I came to it quite late because growing up sort of where we did none of my mates were into that kind of music or I didn't have the money or friends to go with to those kind of events so I'd always read about it and be like, oh, wow that you know like supersonic or or ATP or something and like wow and then I I you know didn't go until much much later on um, I think I, I actually spoke to you we did an interview for um just before sly played at supersonic in 20 2014 yeah uh i think 14 it was um and i'd never i'd never been to supersonic even until then wow the the only time i'd went was the year we played not for the want of you know i i was i was lucky to go because we got invited and you know paid to get there but previously I never had the money to to travel or stay or didn't really know anyone up there or you know so it was really exciting to be able to be involved in those festivals that I'd I'd looked at you know and admired for years and it's really exciting and yeah I hope that sort of gets to carry on.
0: (laughs) Yeah absolutely I mean I find it really interesting obviously that you say the fact that you know, had you not had certain experiences the trajectory could have been so different because it's certainly at that time it's a nascent form of the internet and ubiquity of things which means that you only really get a few bites of the cherry to be in the right place at the right time in order to be exposed by something which is ha- happening you know in these little corners of London, or you know, that's only really getting traction with a few people. Like you've got to have a conversation at the right time with the right person in order to twig in the first place that this is your kind of thing. Um, Definitely, it's so
1: lucky, isn't it? When you think of it like that, it it is. It's it's incredible. And you know that when you sort of just saying that, I was thinking back to like people in sort of Reading or you know places I've lived where you sort of get these little snatches of different scenes um and i know people don't like using the word scene or whatever they're like oh there is no scene <laughs> um but uh, in growing up in fleet and like hartley and putting on shows there we are very early bands i was in a band called Melitza and we used to play with a band called kevin uh who like that growing up and creating putting on gigs in football clubs <laughs> or, or fleet cricket club because there was nowhere else to go or anything to do, and we we called it No Scene, and that was the, you know, <laughs> the, and there was a little like manifesto, and you know, it was wow. just all oh, like our weird bands, underage drinking and playing to your mates and just having the best times. Like wow, yeah, we can do this. We can put on these things and make these things happen. But yeah, you're lucky to find to find people, um, and yeah, and those sort of in those very early sort of the early age of the internet and sort of and then a couple of years later like getting on myspace or like getting involved with other bands and communicating and stuff and you know when i I, and zines as well and you sort of start to share the and you're like oh wow there are people doing this in their towns right uh and then you sort of figure that out like wow maybe i could travel to go and see that (laughs) <laughs> uh, and meet some other people and I did start doing that I went I m- I went up to Nottingham on my own, I'd never been there or well, been like once before for a gig, went up with Dead Sea fucking Squirrels, um <laughs> to do some recording and there was like a hardcore day at the Old Angel or something and then I met somebody and was like oh maybe I could go to Nottingham and then I went up <laughs> To go to see Lightning Bolt and Blood Red Shoes and Lords at the Boat Club, which I believe is closing soon. But yeah, didn't really know anyone, but got chatting to people there and stayed at the promoter's house. Uh, like, wow, yeah, this is this is happening elsewhere as well, and there's all <laughs> these other people doing stuff. Might might do a bit more. Um, you know, it's just like. If I didn't start doing that, I don't know what I'd be doing. Like, Right. <laughs> who knows? Like, yeah. you know, it's that classic thing of everyone from your hometown they just never leave and, we'll, you know, uh, stay in the same job and stay in the same town and seems like they don't have any other interests bar <laughs> going to work and sitting around. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's not, you know... Um, not, not for me. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: mean, uh, it's certainly... I, mean, I I associate Brian Chippendale with that time uh, in, in quite a profound way because I think he was someone who had a almost cartoonish intensity to him, which was yeah. so utterly and immediately appealing that it's like... There was no resistance when I heard him drumming for the first time In that like, oh I don't know whether I like this It is like, yeah. it set a lot of things alight I mean, do you remember how you first came into Lightning Bolt generally? I know you recounted going to see them when they came over here But how you um, discovered them? Before yourself? that,
1: um, I, uh, I think this is right I remember reading an interview with Akara Colt who still are, like, one of my favourite ever bands. Um, I saw them at the Winchester Railway Inn on my 16th birthday. <laughs> oh, nice. And it was still one of the greatest things ever. I think I remember reading the, a, an interview with the Kara cult and Paul from a Car Occult said, oh, yeah, there's this band Lightning Bolt. And I was like, well, if he says they're good, I'm going to check them out. Yeah. And then did. And I was like, oh, my fuck, what is this? <laughs> you know, they're obviously nothing like Car cult they you know... <laughs> And then, yeah, through that, just absolutely rinsing up everything on load and, you know, any any band sort of connected with it. Um, yeah, I do, I do love Lightning Bolt, um, of course. But, yeah, basically everything Chippendale does is just like... Yeah, you know, I love his visual art as well. Yeah. Um, And his, you know, Black Puss or... And, and you, but, yeah, any interviews or little bits that you'd see just referencing somebody else or somebody's worked with or somebody's into then i'd I'd go and seek it out like wow what's this and then you know do you remember like wizards as well which was gibson's project which was this mad synth and drums thing um you know like oh i don't like to use the word side project but yeah like another associated act yes i was just like yeah man like I'm just gonna tuck into all of this so <laughs> sorry, good yeah. <laughs> no. yeah sure but all, and all that sort of idea of you know it comes from that sort of DIY space and you know you see the F- Fort Thunder and having a base to sort of do all these projects and your sort of artistic endeavors and a place for people to go and put on gigs like that's massively inspiring. I do sound at New River Studios and that feels like a small sort of I read read a like a Google review the other day and it was said something like you know all the best parts of a US style community venue oh nice that's really that's like that's an amazing thing to say because I do feel like DIY doesn't have to mean it's something is shit or badly done you know everyone's like oh it's DIY or it's punk uh, and that's, like, a byword for something being a bit naff or, like, not done very well. Right. I, I still think you can be professional and be DIY. And I think people sort of forget that because you're like, ah, oh, it's DIY, it's all right, you know, and you sort of let yourself off a bit. It's like, <laughs> mm, yeah, but the PA isn't on properly or something like you know, <laughs> yeah. like yeah, you, know, you haven't plugged it in or like yeah. this mic isn't working, I was like, Ah, oh, it's DIY, it's yeah. all right. I was like, well you know, so I, I, I do I still like that sensibility and it's important to come from that place, but to to apply it to a bit more of a sort of professional setting, I think, is is good. And, you know, that's what I like I'm running a fit space now and I sort of yeah, it is obviously like no budget but you try and make things or make it work to the best of you know i feel it's important to at least <laughs> like, <laughs> i want people, and especially when i do sound for people as well i want them to have a good experience and i want it to be enjoyable for the people that come and pay but i want the bands to enjoy it as well and you know there are so many stories of like fucking awful sound technicians or you know this it's it's it, and it is always a man the sound man was a dick or the sound yes. man you know somebody <laughs> david's telling me a story um whereby they'd sound checked and their guitar was out of tune maybe willfully so but after the sound check yeah because it's not in standard or whatever and then the sound man came up and like tuned her fucking guitar for what her. yeah without asking without anything he was like oh yeah i tuned your guitar it's like what, what like, that's prick. just so so grim it's like what are you even thinking of where you think that's okay yeah oh <laughs> like God. you know it's not let alone whether you know it was supposed to sound like that or not just man you know ridiculous so anyway my point being yeah don't be a dick and uh, just try and tidy your cables up or something it's not hard <laughs> like, you know just uh, yeah I, I just feel like put you know putting on DIY shows or uh you know running things in that way is all well and good but it's it's not hard to you know make the experience better for everyone involved by just doing it a bit better right yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah I agree and we've all, we've all played awful shows and you're just like man this could you know just yeah yeah
0: Especially when it's, you know, all the elements are in place There's just one that's out of joint And it just completely uh, discolours the experience I mean, uh uh, I I think of playing in in Brighton once Um, with Swallowing And, uh, Dean Obviously, you know, Dean He, um, was setting up and, uh the sound man was just came over and yelled quite loudly just said look if he's going to stand that close to the
1: amplifier it will feed back all right (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah classic i yeah that's amazing i'm sure i've heard that story before um (laughs) i can't remember if it was from you or not actually but i yeah that's totally great i love that do did did you ever go to um, Wallfire Festival in Winchester? No, no. It was, well, not even Winchester, it was Woodman so it's in... It was, like, on the... Between Basingstoke and, and Winchester, this guy, Corin, who went to QMC, put it on. Wow. And, um, like, Fuck Buttons played one year. What? And Stig Noise, like... Sly played... What's it called? Wolf fire? Wool, wool, as Uh, in sheep's wool. uh, Fire. Um, Wow. But I think it only ran for like three years, maybe. And I was like, yes, there's this rad festival happening in this amazing field. Um, And I remember putting up a picture of... On MySpace, somebody had taken a picture of me and the sound man, like, coming over. It was nighttime, right, so everything was dark. But he'd come up to the desk, and we'd set up in the middle of the field, like, in front of the stage. Uh, I say stage. It was a tent. There was no stage. (laughs) Um, And just being like, yeah, keep it out of the red, yeah. And I was like, that, you know, I, I know how to work a mixer, but also... I know full well and you know full well that it's noisy stuff (laughs) and you're going to turn it down instantly and that just that, that happens so much this that's why that's where like the idea of us always bringing our own amps came from because as soon as somebody goes oh you're a noise band or you know they just write it off instantly and then they will turn your front of house sound down or off <laughs> which right. has also happened yeah um and they're like oh no it's you know oh, I can't you can't do that or it can't sound like that I'm like well it can and it is it's and gonna. it does <laughs> um but then so that's why we started bringing our own you know backline and, and amps because it needs to you know we've talked about that sort of physicality of the sound before yeah and I I want to feel the air pushing from the speakers and I want people to be surrounded by that and it needs to be that loud yeah and it loses so much in translation if it's not so if you're at the mercy of the sound tech they're just going to turn you off or yeah (laughs) and so it loses everything you're like oh right (laughs) yeah and we and we've played shows where the power has cut out before but you can't turn the drums off so if you you've got drums and sax and whatever other acoustic noisemakers you've got going and then that until somebody puts another 50p in the meter or whatever that's what's going to (laughs) happen so that you know that's that's fine but yeah, I do feel like it sort of needs needs to happen. And there was, I was, it was really great listening to um, again uh, Lassa's show because um, he he was talking about something I do as well. So when I do solo shows, and I don't, I don't think I got it from him. It just seemed to make sense to my brain that I I play at the back of the room as well, listening to the front of house. PA sound, yeah. so I, I don't want any monitoring. I want to hear what people are hearing in in the room, yeah. and you know I can adjust any stereo stuff accordingly. Or you know I want to hear that um, in the same way and i did a show at new river studios where i was working as well but i was asked to play on the bill so i was like doing my own sound but i did make a different distinction by setting up in front of the sound desk and listening back to the pa and then when i finished my set i went and did sound for everyone else but um yeah it's important to to have you know have that full sort of dynamic range otherwise it loses it loses so much um
0: yes yeah. Absolutely. It's I think it's a problem, isn't it, when you have uh peoples whose job it is to essentially uh, maintain an idea of how to make things sound good, which for ninety nine percent of the time yeah. as a sound technician, that's yeah. on and it can be quite a consistent framework. And then yes. ha- have people who basically exist to run right against that (laughs) grain suddenly becomes quite difficult
1: (laughs) yeah yeah definitely it's you know in in my professional job as a sound technician like for other other people I want you know I I, because I've had that experience I I don't want you know I want people to feel comfortable in their performance and technical setup so yeah because I yeah I, I understand that it it's so disappointing when you've done like all this, you know. You've you've made this setup and this music, and you want it to have have that full sort of range and to perform it in the way that you see uh, appropriate and 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 how you want it to sound. And I'm I'm there to help people do that, and I want them to, you know, enjoy the experience or or you know, as much as it is possible to enjoy it. <laughs> you know sometimes it's like absolutely horrendous music but um <laughs> for some people that's a good thing yeah
0: <laughs> Talk about your final record, Matt. It's um, yeah. If you could
1: give me the the name of it and then also uh, yeah, a little bit about why it's important as well. Chromosome Gun, yes, UltraLid. It, the again, it's on load actually, which I totally forgot about. But UltraLid, a band who I came to through Nogs Act, uh-huh. Norwe- another Norwegian act, and I believe uh, Chettle, the bass player. Plays in both bands And I can't remember if you were there Did you see them in Bumbles in Bournemouth? Ultralid Yeah Because um, th- there were only about six people there Yeah,
0: I, I don't think I was one of them When was No, uh, In about
1: 2010 Oh, was it Noxact
0: was it? or Ultralid?
1: Both They played together
0: Oh, I, yes, no I So um, I was with some people who Really wanted to pre-drink But they pre-drank Through the show And then um, <laughs> Arrived With about Three minutes to go And then Oh um, man Yeah so More than a pound a minute Really that I paid for that show But I was so gutted Because I'd not really Heard Nogzag before And then arrived as yeah. like This is so my thing And then it stopped Yeah oh, Yeah
1: Wow that's and, an amazing lineup. And I can't remember who else played. It might have been like one of Alan's bands or something or it may have even just been the two bands. But yeah, again, like that idea of going to a sort of town like Bournemouth and not really knowing anyone there. And, <laughs> it, and they're putting on fucking Noggs Act and Ultralids. Like what? <laughs> I, okay, you know, I used to yeah. like amazing. Um and it still is one of the greatest gigs I've ever been to. I I loved it. It was so cool. Um <laughs> and you know in a place like Bumble's as well which as I remember it was like an 80s club that hadn't been decorated since basically <laughs> uh, and looked like it had already closed down but somehow they're getting to put on these incredible like you know European noisy bands uh yeah. and everyone's just fine with that happening I was like yes this is perfect <laughs> you know and just yeah it was crushingly loud it was totally amazing and but yeah seeing Ultralid in particular you know I, I knew Nogs Act but Ultralid playing and they've they've got uh, was I, I think Chettle has been play this guy Chettle Moster I think plays sax for them he already wasn't the original sax player but is or did join after um, but yeah he's playing like this massive baritone sax through like amuga fuga and all kinds of other stuff and i was like what is going on here i'd never seen that you know (laughs) people play playing a sax through pedals like it doesn't sound like that but it's this incredible force that's coming out that's really exciting like yeah this is incredible yeah but yeah and i i picked up that record and it does again sort of like with deceit it's not Particularly, my favourite record of theirs, or my taste has maybe changed a bit, but it does—it does have the sort of all the elements that I really like about them. There's the more sort of uh, kind of sparse sort of abstract numbers, and then there's like absolutely like hammering sort of mad distorted riffs or something as well. Yeah, um, and it's just wow, this is yeah, this is wild. You know, sort of the same reaction I had with with uh, Mind Flayer, really and, and all these records I'm talking about are, it's something that's just either had had been new to me and provoked such a sort of exciting reaction I was like yeah that that's why I find those you know inspiring or exciting and, and wanted to talk about them but you know there are a million bands like that and I wanted to choose Ultralid because yeah they're a group sort of I've come to and then Again sort of seeking out all the all the related projects like the Moha as well, who I also yes. saw in in Bournemouth. Um and I remember there was about six people there as well then. I think I was uh, there at and, that one maybe. Yeah. And that this was like yeah, before I knew you. Uh, yeah, and there we are in the room. Yeah. <laughs> um, Is it where they had uh, their like the ridiculous light and show? stuff? Yeah. Oh my god, it was yeah, synchronized yeah, with Yeah. Everything. Like oh, yeah. Oh, absolute assault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, and like picking stuff up on like Rune Grammofon, and uh, you know all this, this kind of incredible, yeah, like Norwegian noise stuff. Like yeah. where does this come from? And I didn't, I didn't know anything about it at all. Um, and then, then I sort of followed up, and then you you hear kind of everyone's related projects, all their solo work, or and it's just it's such a yeah and then I only sort of heard um like super silent in the last couple of years and right really got into their music um and that was I was like oh right what is it I don't know the answer to this It's totally rhetorical I was like what is it about like <laughs> Norwegian music that is making them all do this and it's all totally mint I, yeah I, I, I don't know oh. something in the water yeah I'm not de- sure definitely because I
0: went to um Lizzie and I went to Oslo a few years back, and there was f- happened to be Nogzag playing at a cafe oh, wow. Blitz. Um,
1: y- yes, like to... I've been there. Oh, it's, nice. Yeah, it's what um, I went. Well, we did a tour with Bruxa Maria and Mo in Norway like, a couple of years ago, but it like we played in uh, I think we went to Halden first, which is um, Guro's like, hometown, I think, uh, and then I met the lads off of brutal blues a couple of years after and i said oh went went we played in Halden actually and they're like why the fuck did you play there <laughs> like that's that's like that's like a touring band like stopping off in basingstoke right. like, and like, like nobody goes there why did you play there and and he was like did any en- did anyone like W- was there anyone? I was like, no. <laughs> but you know, we we were on tour in Norway, so I was I was having like time of my life, amazing. But the uh, the locals seemed to think that that was a joke to go and play there. But uh, we did play at Blitz in Oslo on the last night, so that was very good. Oh,
0: amazing! But yeah, I
1: would have would have loved to have seen uh, seen Noxac there. But yeah, I'd love to go back. I think we're gonna Jan uh, like his new thing burning axis uh they're mm. coming over i think we're going to do some stuff together oh maybe my in god October. and then i'm hoping that um we can go over there again but yeah oh. we'll see well yeah it's live i've never been so maybe maybe one day <laughs> that would be amazing um yeah so with this
0: ultralid record so i've um this is the first time i would heard it but uh obviously it clicked instantly um yeah because as you say the, the the terrain is like so diverse on this record but what's the is there a favorite track for you where you're like all right
1: this is really uh getting me buzzed um well when i when i 1st I, uh, yeah i had forgotten the title but um so i was like oh what one am i thinking of <laughs> but actually then i go back to it i'm like i'm, I'm just looking at the titles now and i'm like yeah, no, I'm pretty sure that they're all mint. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, you know, there's like gl- glottality is is just a total rinser 'cause because it's yeah that glottal like sax sound and it's it's really sort of forceful and yeah to- totally rinsing like yeah and that that sound of the really there's really great heavy drum sound. I mean yeah like Nog sacked the kind of the rhythm section it's just hard as anything. And then you've got this wild sax blowing all over it. Like, yes, that's such a great, like, great combination. You know, this this amazing sort of like, you know, it's it's not sort of just sort of abstract noise. It is it is kind of tight, but it's super heavy as well. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, really exciting.
0: <laughs> and uh, I mean, is this something you think of? So say, you know, bringing. Saxophone into the fold with Sly, and uh, you know, having mm. now put out the first record that features saxophone with Sly as well. I mean, is this bands like Ultralid? Do you think about them in the context of what you're doing? And like, is
1: this kind of a touch point for you in terms yeah. of how you see Sly? Yeah, I think so. Um, not necessarily in the delivery. Or, you know, the sonic sort of outcome. Hmm. Um, but certainly the elements of, of that, are, you know, that's a, that's a kind of inspiration. And it just just feels, just makes sense to sort of bring that together. Uh, but, yeah, it's important that I, I, I still don't want to have that sort of element of guitars or whatever. You know, the, the sax itself can still be quite... <laughs> I was gonna say, sounds say something really wanky. Then it's like, oh yeah, but it's the the space between the notes, or the, <laughs> the movement between the notes. It's not just like the you know the playing of the you know like gunning out a scale. It's just like this you know there's a a bit more sort of it's a bit more malleable and 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 sort of fluid and you know you can like and playing with James in particular, you know you can go through from like really intense sort of like fortissimo like blowing mental stuff to really sort of fast you know like he's uh, quite nimble or you know he's got real high register sort of blowing or there's just these intense low end things like man you know he's, he's just such a wonderful player and that, that fits very well I think with what the rest of us are doing and we, we it it was never like a, th- a thing to you know he he we just were like oh yeah we can we can play together let's see how it goes so he came and did a show with us on new year's eve uh we played in the brewery in east london which was amazing so we played at midnight like about oh, you know wow. the bu- the ball drops all the balloons fall from the sky. We just go in super hard, and there's an amazing picture of Jim just like screaming down his sax. And oh. then, there, but there's people like kissing in the background. There's some people who look totally miserable. <laughs> it's like it's such an amazing captured moment. I'm like, oh yeah, that's it, there you go. And it, it it went, you know, it went really well. And, we, and then we, you know, I, re- I really enjoy his company, and I love his music, and and it feels like that's that's a good fit um, so yeah we, and we've you know we've done a, another record since but yeah so that's where it's at
0: one last question I had for you Matt is if you really want to listen to a record and you're like right it's just going to be me and this record for a bit I'm going to give it as much attention as mm. so I can muster where would you yep. go to listen to an
1: album to do that Oh, it is. does it have to be a place that exists it in can reality be or is this, this a more of an abstract oh, okay so mm. it's not, not like a desert island sort of disc thing like I have to go to a space where it you know where would be my ideal listening position? I mean um take it yeah,
0: however you want. I mean, you can go for like how you actually do it or if you could just
1: yeah, float off to some dreamy ideal. Up to you. Yeah. Well, that that's what listening to music is. so no. Um so no, <laughs> um, so, no I, I do I like to to sit in, in my room with my record player and um yeah, put it on the platter and listen listen sort of properly whilst not doing much else. That's that's the sort of the best way. But I do I have gotten into more having stuff on my phone and trying to listen to stuff that I might not be able to get on, you know, pick up the record easily or whatever. So yeah, your sort of listening habits change. It's hard, you know, vinyl is expensive and well, new vinyl is. I, I don't I, I tend to buy sort of second hand a lot more. Uh, but yeah if i want to sort of check out new stuff or you know i've been i've started using the band camp can sorry band camp app uh more to sort of try and check out other stuff yeah but yeah my favorite way way to do it is is to to get to get the record and and yeah there's that sort of tangible thing of you know putting it on the on the platter maybe the wrong side or maybe the wrong speed <laughs> but that's that's part of the fun you know um yeah totally great but yeah no i don't yeah i like i like to uh yeah to sit down and sort of try and concentrate on it i feel like if you're sort of invested a bit more you know it's it's easier to listen um and sort of pick out bits and you know when you've got a nice set of speakers and an amp or whatever it does totally bring out Details that you might miss if you're, you know, consuming it in a different way. Uh, So yeah, I do personally. I feel like that's that's the best way to sort of take it in.
0: Yeah, which is why maybe people should head to the band camp first and look to pick up the record before, you know, reverting to their favorite streaming platform. Right? (laughs)
1: Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You
0: know, whatever you're into. Yes. Sure. So. Matt this has been wicked thank you so much for, uh, for joining me on the show this has been awesome nice one man thank you very much for having me nice to chat to you and just to remind people if they want to keep up to speed with what you're doing uh, where's the best place for them to be,
1: to be going come and see us at a gig that would be the best way to do it and if we aren't playing a gig then email us and ask us to play one um, and then we'll come to you uh, but if you can't do that, then we've got, you know, Google Sly and the family drone and you'll find it. Excellent. Well, thanks once again, and to everyone listening, I will see you next time. Bye bye.